The universe has many horrors yet to throw at us. This is not the end of our struggle. This is just the beginning of our crusade to save humanity. In the grim darkness of the 41st millennium, there is only war, there is only dice and pipes. Welcome back to the Dyson Pipes Podcast, Warhammer Edition. I'm your host, Chris, along with host Brian. Hello. There he is. Just two classy middle-aged guys smoking some pipes, drinking some whiskey, playing some Warhammer. How are you today, Brian? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Clyde and Michael have done me done me well today. Uh, what do they give you? Uh, Clyde has given me uh, my plum pudding. And Michael put it with uh, Fireball. Ooh. So the plum pudding is kind of spicy because of that perique yes. that's in there. Uh, and the Fireball is spicy because of the cinnamon. I like that. And uh, it's spice on spice action I like over it. on the side of the table. So they did right by you, and they, they fucked me. Oh, no. Yeah. What happened? No, they fucked me. You know, they're... They switched my tobacco. They made it a little more more barbecuey with this MacBaron Old Dark fired, which I really enjoy. But they just keep funneling this Suntory whiskey down my throat, and I can tell you right now that the combination is not a pleasant one for me. You know what is pleasant? Our Twitter, our Instagram, yes. and our Reddit page at Dyson Pipes. You can follow us there. A lot of good shit going on. You you like how we did that? Selfless plug. Yes, shameless. Shameless and selfless. Yeah, don't spell the ampersand. Just put A-N-D. And don't put an ampersand. How do you spell a- Nobody knows. It's, it's open to debate. Yes. There should be congressional hearings. How to spell Dan Quayle. ampersand. Dan Quayle, potato, potato. There's a reference. <laughs> wow. When, when do you think the last time somebody invoked Dan Quayle? <laughs> uh, uh, probably not since the 80s. Was he even relevant? Would you even say that Dan Quayle was relevant? I'm struggling to remember who Dan Quayle... Was it Clinton? No. Dan Quayle was George, the senior George Bush's VP. Okay. Who was was Clinton's VP? Clinton's VP was... um, William Clinton, of course. William, the saxophone player. Yes. Holy shit, who the fuck was his BP? Did I just say BP? I said BP too, so neither of us are going to have to roll. <laughs> who was his BP oh gas God. station? Well, it's funny that you mentioned gas stations, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. Ooh. Um, Cliffhanger. Bill Clinton. VP. Whenever I think of Clinton, all I can think of is Janet Reno. Oh, fucking the creator of the internet himself. Oh, Al Gore. Yes. Good old Al Gore. It's an inconvenient truth. Wow. Great reference. Isn't the world supposed to be over already? According uh, to Well, you, you see, every like 10 or 15 years, they keep pushing the, the timetable back. You're a denier. That's your problem. Well, the Earth is flat, isn't it? So since the Earth is flat, mm. pollutants just run off the end and just drop That's, into oblivion. That's true. Yeah. That, we don't have to worry about global warming. 
Thank God. All this carbon shit that they're like railing against. No, nah, it just it goes to the edge and disappears. It's like uh, Minecraft. The world just keeps going and going. It's just it, it's all the way at the outskirts of Earth. We don't have to worry about it. Where the Ender Dragon is. The Ender Dragon. Yeah. Is that a Minecraft thing? Mm-hmm. I don't play Minecraft. I didn't know about this. There's supposedly there's a dragon at the end of the world that you can what get to and so, fight. <clears throat> apparently. As legend has it, because my son played. Well, he doesn't play anymore. He says that game is stupid. Now he's all about the Fortnite. Oh, good, good. Uh, And World War Z. Mm. Loves playing World War Z. Uh, So allegedly, uh, if you build a certain portal uh, in Minecraft out of certain materials, it takes you basically to hell. And Mm. that's where the actual end of the game is. There actually is an end of the game. And that's the Ender Dragon. You need to kill the Ender Dragon. And you can kill this thing. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Has he done it? Uh, I did it with him. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. So it can be done. Yeah. Like, he was having a hard time. I mean, he was younger. Not, not that he's super old. I mean, he's, he's nine. But uh, when he was like five or six, maybe, it was the first game he played. He stuck with it up until just recently. But uh, he couldn't figure out how to build the portal. It had to be like, you know, like eight blocks high, four blocks across. And his brain couldn't put that together. So right. I would help him build the portal. And then go to the end and fight the Ender Dragon. Slay the dragon. Yeah. And then that Ender Dragon is a chump. Get out of here. Yeah, it's fucking... Bows and arrows. And that's it, dead. Fucking... You would think this son of a bitch like, would be like one of the most difficult bosses to beat, right? It's at the well, end I of think, a game I think the big supposed f- to be beaten. I, I, that's the big thing is it was just like the, the creators of the game, I don't think even mentioned it. Like nobody even knew it was there until people by accident took obsidian stones and built them in a certain way at a certain time and all of a sudden opened this portal. Like what the fuck? Mm. Uh, and like there's more shit involved. Like you got to build a temple with like floating eyeballs and you got to find the eyeballs buried randomly throughout the world. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it is fucking crazy. It is amazing how games have advanced in the advent of the internet because without like YouTube's, and shit like that, like you would never figure that out. Yeah, well, I, you know, uh, the Legend of Zelda. I remember as a kid hmm. uh, at the at the playground, they said that uh, you, if you got the candle, you could burn bushes and find stairs that go into temples. And I was like, yeah, I call Bravo Sierra on your fucking bush story. But I guarantee you, you took that fucking candle and lit every fucking bush in the game on fire. And all of a sudden, one of them opened up into stairs, mm-hmm. right? I burned maybe like, tw- let's just say 20 of them. I see, I knew it. And then, stairs. That was, the, the rumors were true. Blew my mind. Yep. Blew my mind. Now, how many hours do you think you spent trying to find those stairs? Oh, dude, come on. Forget it. Like, yeah. endless. Yeah. Endless. Endless time spent trying to find, like, these hidden secrets in these games. Yeah, and now people can run through Legend of Zelda and beat it in like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. You watch these speed runs, like these guys that play these games, just for the sole purpose of beating it in like record times. Like I, I watch these like Dark Souls guy, and they, they, they like beat the game in like two hours. Yeah. And I'm like, two hours? In two hours, like I was probably killed like 30 fucking thousand times. I'm still in like the beginning <laughs> area of the game, trying to figure out my ass or my elbow. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And guys are already beating the game. And whatever. You know, it's... It's a beautiful thing, the internet. Thank you, Al Gore. Thank you, Al Gore. You know what? I'm going to toast to Al Gore. To Al Gore. In in a positive way. Uh, Speaking of toasts, 
I'm very excited to talk about today's. Listen, you mentioned BP. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yes. So I'm now wondering. Oil spills. No, 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 no. Well, you would think that an oil spill or potentially something worse had taken place in none other but a gas station bathroom. Oh. So my toast today, for those of you listening, is to the cleanliness or uncleanliness of gas station bathrooms. Whenever, and this is real. This isn't me trying to be funny. This isn't like radio goof. This is this is real. Whenever I hear the phrase gas station bathroom, mm-hmm. I instantly think of a bathroom that has survived the zombie apocalypse. I don't know why that imagery comes to my mind uh, of, of rust, rust stains dripping from the windowsills, if there are any windowsills, random uh, uh, filth caked to the floors and the walls, um, the, the, the water in the turlet itself not there, but like garbage stuffed into it, and me with my back up against the door <sighs> as zombies <laughs> are banging on the door. Whenever I hear the phrase gas station bathroom, that's what pops in my mind. And, and what blows my mind is like, to me, if, if I'm ever in a pinch, like I really got to go to the bathroom, right? First of all, gas station bathroom is not the first place that, that like comes to the forefront of my brain. I usually think like fast food restaurant. Sure. Right? Because they have, it's like unlimited access. You don't even have to buy food. I can go into any McDonald's or Burger King or Chick-fil-A or Dunkin' Donuts and just walk right in, use the bathroom. I prefer it that way. Turn around and leave. But did you ever notice that gas station bathrooms, they are always under lock and key? I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I don't understand it. Me neither. Because now you would think, being that they're under lock and key, wouldn't they be one of the most, if not the most, cleanliest place to use the bathroom? Why? Why is it locked? What? That's my point. You would think that it's locked because it's like some like sacrosanct place. Like only the the deserved are allowed to go in there. Yeah, it's not. It's reserved for like the high holy. <laughs> you know, like the cardinal, the cardinal, and above. himself. Yeah, uh, it's it's not. I don't want to hear oh you know so people don't do drugs in the bathroom or customers only. That's bullshit because you can walk right in. Yeah, do you have a key to the bathroom? And they hand you the key, and it is attached yes. to the world's largest bit of wood. <laughs> and it says restroom on yes. it. So now you're carrying Hexaw Jim Duggan's 2x4 over your shoulder with a rope and a tiny little key on the other end. And you're trying to fucking negotiate the key into the lock while you're holding this huge chunk of wood or perhaps a large plastic cup. Uh, and, and the door pops open. And now where do you put this fucking key with with this fucking uh, uh, dongle attached to it? Yes. Other than into the sink. Now you got to fucking touch all that. Like, uh, we've talked about washing our hands after using the bathroom. And the only place I refuse to wash my hands after using the bathroom is in the gas station because the sink is fucking terrible. Yeah, it's filthy. See, what I usually do when I use a gas station bathroom, if I have to go to, like, the, the guy who's either pumping my gas... If you're in a state that, you know, you have somebody who pumps your gas or you're going into like the Tiger Mart at an Exxon in order to get the key. Um, when I get that key, I'm so frustrated that after I'm done using the bathroom, I take the wooden part and I dunk it in the toilet. 
because go fuck yourself. And then I piss on the wall. Yeah, because <laughs> you're not the first person to do that. For some reason, like, gas station bathrooms are, like, the most wretched. Like, they are the type of place that I, I like, envision some, like, horrible porn movie being filled. Filled? Go ahead. Fuck. On Dyson Pipes, when you flub a line, you got to roll the dice. Uh, so this because this is 40K... We have to roll four dice, uh, one of them being a wrath dice. Difficulty number is three. If Chris does not defeat that number three, he will be drinking. I've defeated it. I have an exalted and an icon. Excellent. There is just something wretched about these bathrooms. Like, I I picture, when I go into the bathroom at a gas station, I look and make sure that there isn't, like, a three-inch hole drilled out in the wall. Sure. You know, there's some toasts that we do here, and I think it goes both ways. Uh, some of my toasts, some of your toasts. There's some of them where we are not in agreement. Uh, there's some of them where we become believers by the end of the toast. And then there are some where we are on the same page from jump. Uh, this is one of them where we are on the same page from jump. Uh, my wedding night, on our way to the hotel, Tiffany had to use the bathroom. So we... Uh, Stopped at, at a mobile, uh, and I, I want to pick your brain about the best and worst gas station companies that maintain their bathrooms. Oh, yes. I would believe mobile's on the bottom of that list. Yes. Uh, so in her wedding dress, now I'm in the bathroom with her, holding her wedding dress up from the scum on the floor while she pees, and I was so disgusted by that bathroom that there was, there was a little bit of an issue consummating the marriage that night because all I could picture were the monsters crawling from the bathroom floor all over her. What monsters crawling from the bathroom floor? Just the monsters on the floor, whatever, those microscopic demons. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, a I, hobo's shit, perhaps. And, and that's the other thing that like blows my mind. If it's under lock and key, why is the bathroom so wretched? And that goes to my point that it's not about keeping people out. They don't give a fuck because the key is just laying on the counter. Right. You walk, uh, uh, do you have a bathroom kit? Uh, uh, right there, but oh, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, there, there's no protection. There's no, there's no vetting process. No. So just leave the bathroom unlocked. Exactly. Right. Now, I don't know. I don't even know if they're still around, but Texaco, I remember, amazing bathrooms. Really? Yes. Never had an issue with a Texaco bathroom. At like a BP or an Exxon, horrible. And I don't know if it's like the proximity to where we live, if they just don't know how to fucking clean. But there is just something about those bathrooms that I swear they just like, they filmed the fucking movie. Like I I really need to like put a tarp down on the floor before I, like my sneakers even hit it. Like that's how disgusting it. Like after using that bathroom, like I almost want to, you know like when you go to a, uh, like an open house they they have like those um, they have like like an elastic band on it. You put it over your shoes so you yes. don't like dirty yep. the floors. Yeah, that's what I want to wear. I should keep those in the trunk of my car. <laughs> so if I ever have to use a, a a gas station bathroom, I throw those on because I don't want to step in that bathroom and then step into my car and drag whatever sort of like nasty bacteria is on the floor. Imagine if you will. Yes. A place of sights and sound. Ooh. Uh, you're driving on a road trip. And the mood strikes, and you got to take a shit. Okay. Now, piss. I am not above getting out of the car and pissing on the side of the road. Yeah. Uh, I prefer it. But having to shit, that's a different ball game. So you're you're relegated to these bathrooms. And I don't know why they lock the bathrooms that are inside the store. 
Like, there, yeah. at, at least I can find a, a logic path to locking the ones that are outside the store. They don't follow the logic, but at least I can find why that would be a thing. Inside the store, there's no excuse. But regardless, uh, imagine, if you will, you have to shit. You've been driving for hours. There's no getting around it. You're at a gas station, a pilot, perhaps, and uh, or a flying J. You go into the bathroom, and you walk into the set of Saw. <laughs> and there's two people, missing limbs, chained to the floor. Uh, excuse me, sir. And you got to take a shit. Like, w- this is America. You know, we don't, we, we don't live in, in fucking Baghdad, where these bathrooms should be. No, no, no this is America. Right. You know, uh, it, it is it is disgusting, and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Now, you would think that the bathrooms, like, and which they are, in my opinion, the bathrooms inside of the mart that they have set up it tend to be the cleanest. Yes. And they also tend to be the ones that generally, I would say, 50-50 are unlocked. It's 100% of the times the ones that, like, you have to go outside of the mart and around the corner to, like, the, the rear portion of the building in order to get into the bathroom where like are, the air pump is yeah yeah like they're always locked and being that they're always locked you would think that they would be the cleanest but those are by far the worst so if they're locking them what the fuck are they locking out it blows my mind the logic path i could see are like keeping homeless people from sleeping in there or keeping you might as uh, well have homeless people well, that's, that's it would be my cleaner because yeah. they're fucking disgusting <laughs> They're I can disgusting. see like uh, not wanting people to overdose on drugs in the bathroom. The problem is you're not vetting anybody who asks for the key. Right. So I can ask for the key and be some homeless savage. Yes. And then that's it. I've yep. now found a home. Yes. Stay there for 30 days. Yes. I have rights to that bathroom. Uh, and ironically, when you do find an exterior bathroom near the air pump that is unlocked, it is no cleaner or dirtier than right. the ones that are locked. There's no, there's no, no. rhyme or reason. None whatsoever. Which is why if I was on a highway, if like I was in my own little hell and in my hell, I was forced to just drive down a highway that was in infinite length. And the only businesses on this highway I'm were... I'm on a highway. This is long. I jumped into that without knowing the words. Wow. Um, Life is a highway. Life is a highway. (laughs) I'm going to ride it all night long. I thought you were going to sing Highway to Hell. (laughs) (laughs) If I was forced to drive on an infinite length highway and all that were on it were gas stations and that was the only place I was able to use the bathroom, I would shit my pants. I would easily shit my pants before I go into that fucking bathroom. Drums. Isn't this song racist? Is it? Right here. What do you say? That's fucked up. Oh, we're going again? Listen. Right here. I'm sorry. Season ticket. Season. It's a, it's a season ticket. Season what? Season. No, no. Season ticket. No, no, no. He That's see, what he says. No, he sees something. Uh, you know what? One more time. What's his name? Art Linkletter, the lead singer. 
Caesar. Yeah, Caesar ticket. Fucking racist prick. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, thank you, Opie and Anthony, for bringing that to my life. Uh, so you're on the highway to hell. So you're on the highway <coughs> to hell. Lots of season tickets walking around. A lot of season tickets. <laughs> and... You go to the bathroom and there's a season ticket. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Um, yeah, not using that bathroom. <laughs> I'm shitting my pants. Right in the pants. <laughs> right in the pants. Right in the pants. Um, well, to finish this toast, I would yes, like to yes. throw this at you. Yeah, please. Uh, I am a big believer that they only have one key to those bathrooms. Okay. So I habitually <laughs> will purposely leave the key in the bathroom oh, when I leave. Oh, that's a good idea. And nobody will ever have to use that bathroom again. I never thought about that. And I pee on the door handle. Why not? Why not? The <laughs> next time I have the need to like have explosive diarrhea. Yeah. I'm going to a gas station. And hover. Even if I'm in my house, I'm just going to leave. I'm getting in my car. I'm going to go drive to a gas station. I'm going to gain entry into their bathroom. Uh, Segway. Yes. Have you ever had explosive diarrhea? I have. Okay. So when I my first job when I was a youth mm-hmm. uh, was at the McDonald's. And one of my responsibilities as the rookie of the McDonald's, uh, I had to clean the bathrooms. Okay. I've had, a, as a man who has had explosive diarrhea, now I'm a big dude. I'm six foot six. I'm like 280 pounds. I'm a big dude. Uh, I have experienced explosive diarrhea in my time. Never once. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Never once have I gotten it on the walls. Really? What's wrong? No. Huh? Never on the walls? No. Never on the, on the top of the toilet tank. It's always gone. I've always somehow found a way to put the ejection port, yes. being my asshole, into the accepting hole of the toilet. Ah, uh, I think uh, I'm I'm gonna offer a counter argument to that. Okay, I'm ready. I think the people that end up in a bathroom at either a fast food restaurant or a gas station, in this example, um, I think if they feel, first of all, they don't know that they're about to have. Explosive diarrhea. They just have a little upset tummy. They got to use the bathroom. Now, there's a lot of people out there that refuse to to cocoon the shit <laughs> out of the the fucking toilet seat. Now, I'm one I, of those people. I, you don't cocoon. Nope. You're a fucking. You're a complete savage. Yes. And that's why you've never had this problem. See, me personally, I'm a big cocooner. Uh, I'm probably part bird because I will <laughs> <laughs> just just like up here in the in the fucking shed. Yes. I am part bird. I will lay a nest down. I will I will sacrifice like five minutes. I, I don't care if I'm dying. I will spend five minutes. I will clean the fucking toilet seat with toilet paper. I do that. And then I will now take half a roll and lay like a half inch thick layer of toilet paper on the seat in order for me to sit down on and shit. Now, do you do it like one square at a time and build like a... Like no, a- that's fucking... That's a lunacy. Okay, pardon me. Yeah, okay. that's craziness. So what I will do is I will take a look at the length of the sides of the seat because most of the most of like public restrooms they have like the little cutout where your cock lays. Yeah, right. So I will in my head measure 
what the sides are, and I will go double the length. Okay. Tear that off of the toilet paper roll, fold it in half, lay it down. Then I do the back section. Double the length, fold it in half, lay it down. Then the other side. Double the length, fold it in half, lay it down. Okay. And then I do it a second time. Okay. That way I'm completely protected. This is after I've already wiped the seat to make sure that there's no residual liquids. Yeah. Somebody's pee-pee stains all right. over the seat. So it's dry. I double layer my cocoon, and then I plant my ass. I could see people getting into the bathroom, not having time to do that, not being a fucking savage like you, <laughs> who's comfortable <laughs> just putting their ass cheeks down on this fucking seat. So they will try to do their own like female hover technique um, and fucking just unload right, on the back right. wall. Okay. Now, if it's not on the back wall, then I start to have an issue. Like, why is it... Not that I'm condoning shitting all over the back wall. Right. Because I have a problem if I have to go in and use the bathroom after you, and now the shit just blowing all over the fucking wall. But if it's going to be anywhere, I could see it being on like the rear end of the seat, going up like the, the metal you know, plumbing. Okay. The metal plumbing of the seat and onto the wall. Because I could see somebody just kind of hovering and bent over and just all over the place. <laughs> right. Now, see, I'm not... Like you keep calling me a savage, but what I do, I have my well, own. I'm ritual. generalizing. I'm not saying you're a savage. I, I walk saying. into the stall and I take a ball of toilet paper and dunk it into the water. No, come <laughs> on, come on! No, you don't. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no way. No. Oh my god, I broke it. <laughs> Hold on. All right, there we go. Okay. Sorry. No, I don't. I don't actually do that. You give a little dunk and then you you wash you wash the seat. <laughs> you you might as well you might you might as well take that roll of toilet paper and piss on it and then wipe the seat. Clean. Urine is sterile. It is sterile. But do you want to sit on somebody else's urine? It's sterile, right? But it's somebody else's. It's somebody else's urine. And that's why I take the toilet paper. I dunk it into the clean water of the toilet. Clean bowl, and, water, and then I. Clean water. Clean. Clean. <laughs> no, I don't do that. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I, I, I will take dry toilet paper and just give it a quick wipe down. Yes. Um, if and I then that's it. You leave it there. Yeah. If you have time. <laughs> if I have time. Can't, can't find those extra two minutes. If it looks clean, it's good enough for me. Oh, my God. Well, apparently they make the seats out of some, like, futuristic material that, ah. that, that, that you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> it's fucking Bannon with his chainsword. <laughs> Blowing through enemies. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. And I'm not even like a fucking germaphobe. I just, for the longest time, that that's how I've been. So no, I you, have... You're you're probably in the uh, in the majority uh, of people. Where where are you at with the real quick before we wrap this this up? Uh where are you at with the pre-made uh, toilet seat cover? No, I don't use that. Fuck that, right? Yeah, I don't use that thing. Why? It's too thin. Too thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will you use that as the top layer perhaps? I don't even put that down. Okay. No, no, no. There's not enough of a protective barrier for me mm. between the toilet seat and toilet paper and I ass. saw a video. Now, I'm not going to claim that this is true. Uh, I I think it is. It, me personally, I believe it's a real video. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some legit questions to be asked about it, uh, such as a privacy concern. But regardless, I saw a video, and I, in my memory, I think it was from like a CCTV, but it might have been someone's cell phone. I can't remember. It's been a long time. 
uh, there was a video of Penn Station in beautiful oh. New York City. Uh, and a man wearing a business suit uh, walks in to the bathroom, puts his briefcase down onto the uh, onto the stall. <laughs> right. And uh, I'm listening. he pulls out two pieces of Wonder Bread and he rubs them along the seat and makes a, a sandwich and mm-hmm. starts eating it. Oh, that was a good one. Excuse me. Is that Dave? <laughs> oh, God. So he uses Wonder Bread. And rubs it on the toilet seat. And makes a sandwich. Yeah. Is this like this viral video that's been going around about that chick that goes into an airplane bathroom and licks it? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. Right. Have you seen that video? Uh, no. Yeah, there's some chick that goes into like, uh, I'm pretty sure it's on an airplane, and she, they have her like bent down, like licking the fucking lid. That's hot of the toilet seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wanted to do it right there. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. There was an old, there was another one. I remember. I think it was to like, uh, it was to System of a Down. System of a Down. You know, I've never used an airplane bathroom. Even to pee? Nope. Never got up and, and used an airplane bathroom? Never You once. just make sure that you vacated even, before you got onto the yeah, airplane? Yeah, I, I emptied myself. I don't even know what the inside of an airplane bathroom really looks like. Stop it. All I had, The only reference I have are on movies. You're kidding me. How have you never used an airplane bathroom? Uh, I mean, I've never gone on exceedingly long flights. Usually it's like three, four hours and then a layover. Uh, worst case scenario. But I, uh, yeah, airplane bathrooms freak me out. Because I'm so big, like being inside of them, I, I, I don't like it. I feel so, very vulnerable. So you, you get the urge sometimes when you get to work to take a shit and you don't have time to wipe or like nest the toilet seat, but you'll sit on a plane for five hours. Yeah. Never have to shit. No. That's incredible. Nope. Are you loading up on like Pepto? No. Or alcohol? Sometimes. To, like, knock you out for the flight. <laughs> Sometimes. No. I'm not B.A. Baracus. <laughs> I've got to be knocked out to go on an airplane. That's fascinating. You have a hard time with fucking public bathrooms. I mean, I've been attacked by roaches. That's true. I prefer using public bathrooms so I don't sully my own... Oh, really? Beautiful bathroom. No, I prefer to annihilate my own bathroom. And what I do is, now that, you know, because... You know, my son is in the Marine Corps, so I'll use his bathroom. Mm. Just fucking completely blow it up. And so then now, that way my bathroom is intact. Would it, would it fuck you up if next time I come over to your house, I use that bathroom? His bathroom? Yeah. No, that's fine. It's a fucking bathroom. But you wouldn't have to revert back to the bird nest thing because I, I have been in there? No, because I have a germaphobe wife. So, like, after you're done, I know that she's going to Lysol, like, the entire bathroom. That's like, she does rude. the entire house. Well, not just because of your ass. It's a little but rude. She'll just do the entire house. <laughs> so every time I come to visit, I have to be, you have to fumigate the house because I've been there. <laughs> no, not you in particular. Just people. Well, like once a week, she'll she'll clean the house, and um, you know, she just even if you didn't use the bathroom, uh, she's I so will crazy say, that if nobody uses that bathroom, she will still fucking lice your the shit your out. house is. It's like a museum. Is obnoxiously clean. 
It is. It, <laughs> my house is like a museum that you're not allowed to touch anything. Even me, I live there. I can't touch anything. No, not I, it's not. It's not museum like. Can't touch. Um, but like I have the two small kids. And totally my different. House looks like a bomb went off. Oh, it's at totally all times. different, dude. Well, that's like that's like our apartment when you know my son was much younger. You know, it's obviously not the way that it is now. <clears throat> yeah. you, you can't compare the two. You know, but regardless, it it never looked like a gas station bathroom. That's true. You know, I'll give you that. So because I didn't have a fear of homeless people <laughs> <laughs> or season tickets <laughs> or or season tickets coming into my bathroom and and basically making that them home. They're what? Fuck. I meant to say they're home. Oh my god. I need one more. Hold on. I got it. Oh, man. Hot hand today. Today. Only today. Hot hand. I don't think... Did I roll once last up, uh, last week? Um, last episode? I don't think... I don't think so. I did. I did all the rolling. Oh, man. Because I think you rolled once. No, no, no. You did. You rolled once last, uh, ah. last episode. And you passed. Very good. Remember, you? we were talking about like pushing... Uh, um, whatever the fuck you call it. Shifting. Shifting. Thank you. Shifting dice. Speaking of which. Yes. Uh, I guess we probably don't need to do a break, right? We're doing a little bit of a special episode here. Oh, we're going to do some leveling. You want to do leveling first? You want to talk about the module first? Oh, let's talk about the module. That's right. probably a better idea. So uh, <clears throat> I think we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, I have an entire overarching campaign for D&D that we're in the <laughs> fucking balls deep in right now. Yes. Uh I do not have the same level of confidence in my campaign for Warhammer. And I think that's strictly because I'm still kind of learning everything. I have a very basic idea of where I want to go in the story. I'm having a hard time filling the middle. And so what I decided to do was pull up some old Warhammer modules from other uh, game systems. And I found a great... Very basic introductory mission. Now, I understand that Wrath and Glory has Dark Tides, uh, and I have that book. Um, but there's only one, right? That's the only one out right now. Right. And we're not going to run that because the planet that we're, the, the planet is very particular, so I have to wait for Dark Tides. But I found this, this introductory mission called Shattered Hope, uh, and it takes place on a frozen planet. I had to change the planet. And it's about some inquisitional acolytes that get called in to deal with a, a heretical uprising. Perfect. You just have been brought into the Inquisition. So very minimal shifting around I have to do to get this thing to work. Uh, I don't know how you want to attack this. I guess in general, uh, Genevieve tells you you're being redirected on a priority mission to the Gorgonid Mines, another sector of the planet. That's where Shattered Hope picks up. When you land, you meet Jertz, you meet that fucking maniac, you meet Sergeant Raynard, you enter the mine, you go into the shatters, everything in this module uh, has been written up until when you get the the written documents back from uh, the commissar. Right. That's where the module officially ends. Now, in the module, there's probably about 10 pages of lore that explain what those writings are. That doesn't apply to us. I already have an idea of what to do with those writings. Uh, so that's a different ballgame. But it's the first time I've run a module beat for beat. 
uh, and it was a little harder than I thought it was going to be uh, because obviously you can't anticipate your players. And the module is pretty loosey-goosey. The module pretty much just says if they in general do this, then this will be the outcome. If in general they do this, this will be the outcome. <coughs> the module assumes that you're going to go into the mines. Uh, but it doesn't say anything about bringing extra people with you. So you wanted to bring somebody. I had you roll. I had to do a little bit of improvising there. But overall, how did you like that little mission? I enjoyed it. And I thought the the transition, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought the transition like from the campaign into a module was seamless. Now, granted, like I had, obviously I've never played Warhammer. And same with you, like role-playing right. Warhammer. Like we've never done it. So like role-playing this module, it's not like something that <clears throat> either of us was going to be like, oh shit, yeah, I remember this from like when I was a kid. Um, dude, I thought it was cool. I thought it fit with the, um, I thought it fit with the storyline. And that was more to you being able to like kind of plug this into the campaign, which I think we've already, um, we've already discussed the idea of you kind of plugging both campaigns into like different modules and yes. then like it, seeing how seamless we can make it and then discussing it after the fact, which is cool to see if like people who have played this before, if they ran this module, if they were like, oh wait, hold on a second. Like I remember this, like I've played this before and just trying to like, get opinions or like feelings or thoughts or ideas from like people who were listening as to how it was in relation to maybe like how they played it versus how we played it and how it um, interacted with the, uh, with the current environment. I, I thought it was cool. I thought this module in particular. In yes. Fuck. Um, <laughs> fuck. So I failed and I drank. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this module. I like the idea of having, uh, first of all, I think it was like the first kind of interaction with these mutants in, in, or like, you know, heretics on like a larger scale. Right. Um, and I think as long as you have like a, uh, <clears throat> if you have a good DM who can seamlessly move from the campaign that they've created and kind of like interlace the modules into it. I, I think it's a break for the for the GM and allows the player to kind of hit heavy into like a, uh, a module that the game developer has created. It's fun. It, yeah. it, it's a lot of fun. And it there there's no shortage of ideas when you run these modules because now we have these writings uh, that I can do something with. And believe me when I say that this antithesis stone that brought forth these plague bearers, that is not the last time we're going to be bumping into those things. Uh, what a cool idea. Um, and I will, that one's been written in the, the book of ideas, and we will be revisiting uh, that son of a bitch at yeah. some point. And I think anybody with a creative brain, like when you start dissecting the module, like for example, like this particular module, how many pages was it? Um, because it's not short. It's not like it's some like 10-page flyer that you're going off of, and then you're, you're going to try to develop this little campaign for a party that you have. I want to say it was it was less than 100. It was like maybe 80. So you have 80 pages of information just to, to combat a couple of fucking mutants in a mine. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that just... 
I, I think within 80 pages of information, there is enough there to allow you to transition out of your campaign into the module, and then from the module, take a piece of it and add it to your campaign right. moving forward. That kind of ties everything together and just kind of gives you like a new, maybe component to your campaign to explore, which is great for both the player and the GM. You know, it just creates a little more diversity in the campaign. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple things in there that at the time I was a little irritated with uh, with the module, but now it, it turns out it worked out. And we, I think we talked about it briefly last week, but there was one mutant that had the word malice tattooed on his hand. Right. Kind of a throwaway, uh, kind of a throwaway detail, but you had brought up, so wait a minute, he got this tattoo after he was already turned into a mutant? And I had never anticipated that question. It didn't even dawn on me when I was reading it. Right. Um, but now... That's something I had to write down. Like, okay, this this might be a thing that has to come up again sometime. Right. Uh, so I guess we'll get into the, the mechanics of it. Uh, Sergeant Reynard uh, is written as a dickhead. And the only thing he respects is toughness and intimidation. Uh, so when you started kind of going after him a little bit, that's when he softened up. Right. Because he approves of shit like that. Um, you bumped into that that uh, corporal, I think, that was batshit crazy. Uh, Which was by far what, like one of my favorite characters so far. <laughs> and I just think it was neat. I, I thought it was great how he's like going on about these eyes. It just really kind of opened your mind to like, what the fuck did this guy see in right. the mind? And and it really ties into like, if you think now of like that, like, you know, you think of like, um, like people in the military who come back from war and they have that thousand yard stare, you know, right. and, and they're just, they're troubled by the effects of war. You know, that it, it really just adds to the realism of what's going on in this mine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, mechanically, it says in the book, no matter how long the players talk to this character, just keep acting the same way. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, and there's another character like that that's going to come up in a couple of minutes here. But uh, we go to the mine. Uh, and it, it the first half of the mine is suggests giving the player a map. Uh, and the map is irrelevant because after the fighting that happened, the whole cave changes. So I had a little bit of fun with that. I gave you a copy of the map, and you even asked me, like, oh, do you have a copy of this too? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just trying to fuck with you at that point. Right. Uh, and then it gives, if you want to explore the top level, it gave me a list of places of interest. Uh, one of them was the Nexus, which just was basically like a big, huge intersection. Uh, the only one of note, really, was subsection 5. And then at some point while exploring the top level, there was to be a gap that you had to jump over and a uh, cliff that you had to descend. And <laughs> the cliff... How, how high was the cliff? In the book, I want to say it was like 20 meters. And I'm like, no, that's not far enough. <laughs> Let's make it 200. <laughs> fucking idiot that I am. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> Can I just tell you by far like my favorite thing that that we've kind of like gone back and forth on in both the Warhammer campaign and the D&D campaign is when we start this like dungeon crawling and I, I, at the end we try to match up like your map compared to my map to see like how accurate it is. And I think it's kind of cool like when you when you start explaining like all right, you you go down this hall and now it's going to be like, you know, whatever, 30 feet and it's gonna it's gonna break off into a room to the right. And now me as a player, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to understand, like, all right, look, I, I go 30 feet and now there's this room. All right, now I gotta turn around 
and obviously, since I'm in a party of one, I, I don't have other people to kind of like bounce ideas off of. So I have to like keep track of this fucking map. And again, it's neat at the end when we compare. Because I think the D&D, when we first did the D&D one, we were, I was fucking way off. Like, I was right. nowhere close. This one, I think it was a little bit close. When we, when we yeah, compared you notes, I think it was pretty, it. pretty close to this one. And, and, and that is kind of fun. That's like its, it's own little like mini game yeah. within all of this to see if my map matches up with your map. Well, that's, that's an indication of I learned after your first map that when I say, oh, it breaks off to the right, you do a 90-degree angle right. hard to the right. And if you do that, sometimes it might fuck up yeah. The rest of the map. So I have to I've learned from be using you as a player that I, I need to change my my wording around a little bit. You know, it, it veers off to the right. Uh it splits in like a fork and goes slightly to the right, slightly to the left. So that way when you do that, later down the line, when I start talking about down the left path, it it breaks into two rooms on the left. They're where roughly they should be. In case you want, like uh, a great example was in Warhammer when we had that room with the auger in it that you could have drilled through. Right. Looking at the map that you drew, that didn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, it wouldn't have connected. Right. And and I hope it doesn't get lost on the listener, you know, because I think sometimes, not that we belabor the point, but uh, for me personally, I, I think it's important to get like the structure of the cave or the dungeon or whatever it is that we're in because me as a player, I want to be immersed in it. I, I want to feel like look, this kind of slightly bends to the right. So I know when I come out um, or if I'm going to like venture further into that cave and I'm going to encounter some sort of enemy, I want to know like how far I have to fall back before I can kind of have cover against the right. corner of a wall. And I hope it doesn't get boring for people who listen. I hope it's more like, all right, this guy is trying to think ahead and see, look, if he sees something in there, he wants to be able to, like again, get cover. Right. Take a shot and be able to fall back into the uh, like the original hallway or whatever the case is. Yeah, I, th- I think we've gotten comfortable with each other where we can describe these maps a little faster. I mean, there were a couple sections. Uh, I don't think necessarily in this. Uh, I think series. it was more like the Slug Belly Cave. Uh, I was thinking more D and D. That first cave, we uh, I, I cut out some of the description of the cave because right. we were having a hard time understanding. Like when you had to fight the spider. <clears throat> Right. Uh, figuring out where that room was because that cave was designed to be like doubling back on itself and it got really confusing in that cave. Uh, but yeah, so we come across some hazards. Everyone rolled for the hazards. Uh, you could have died. You didn't. Genevieve did not die. Uh, but Roy Rogers was the first one to go down <laughs> with his fucking disgusting french fries. Uh, <laughs> Those french fries were great. <laughs> I love that. They're not great anymore. Make Roy Rogers great again. That's so what sad. I say. Uh, he falls down this gap. Uh, you find a chainsword. Now, I gave you a chainsword on purpose because I was looking at your character sheet, and I knew that at some point in this module, you're going to have to fight a monster that if you missed him with your gun, you would have died. Right. Uh, or you had a 50-50 chance of dying. Yeah, I had really and, like no melee weapons right. outside of this bullshit knife. Without giving you... At least the option that I, I wouldn't feel that would be in good form. So if I gave you the chainsword and you still chose not to use it, I would at least be able to sleep at night knowing I gave you the tools that you needed. Uh, so you go to the subsection five, you find this chainsword. Uh, you ask about why there's so many corpses in there. Of course, I have no answer for you, so I got to make some shit up. <laughs> uh, and then we come to the two hundred foot, uh, two hundred meter drop. Turns out two hundred meters is a lot more than I thought. 
No. Uh, yeah. A quick, yeah. quick fall. Spent three days climbing down 200 <laughs> meters. Uh, and we go into the shatters. And you encounter Rat. Now, Rat really gave me a lot to think about as far as being a, a, a DM or a GM going forward because it, it explicitly says the party can keep, kill, or ignore Rat. Those are really your only three options when you got this character. Right. Uh, any use or any any attempt to interrogate him, and that's why he was like this stuttering, bumbling fucking maniac, you really can't interrogate him. So ultimately, are you going to keep him with you? Are you going to send him on his way, or are you going to kill him? And it specifically says if they keep Rat as a party member to make him useless and to scream at the first sight of danger and no, pass he out. you. Yeah. He completely fucks you. Yeah. And me thinking, you know what? I'm going to keep this guy because obviously he's down here. Maybe he, he has knows some where he's inside going. knowledge. Right. No, nah, he fucks me. Because it seems like so far, like everything that I've done has utilized to a degree, like the element of surprise. And this guy is just fucking me every opportunity he, right. can, he can get. Um, so then we go to the antithesis stone with the plague bearers. That was designed to be the end of the module, but you know, obviously it, it's laid out in such a way that you can go where you please. Uh, so you end up checking this thing out. And these plague bearers come forth. Now, in Dark Heresy, the game system that this module was designed for, they had plague bearers as a monster. Uh, but as it turns out, they also have plague bearers in Wrath and Glory. Uh, so let me pull up the plague bearer for Wrath and Glory. Uh, on paper, it didn't seem too overpowering uh, to use the plague bearer. Uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> uh, you think? <laughs> uh, plague bearer. So uh, just bear with me. Here is the flavor for the plague bearer. Uh, he's on page uh, 426 if you want to follow along. Uh, Nurgle is the god of decay and corruption. His is the hand that spreads disease and rot. He is perhaps the most insidious of all the chaos gods. For in time, all things must die, and it is inevitable that in dying, those things decay. Nurgle nurtures those moments, tending withering diseases and putrid sicknesses to encourage their virulence. To those dying, he offers salvation, eternal life as a plague carrier, a herald to transport the fruits of his labors far and uh, wide. Uh, yes, it's supposed to be far and wide. Thank you. You should have never told me what page this was on. What? I pass. I have uh, two icons and two exalted icons. Son of a bitch. Uh, to fight plague bearers is to fight the limits of your own body, to battle the uh, anathema of nature itself. So one would think if I read that, I would know that this is a little more challenging. But threat classification, uh, this is on uh, the next page, two, uh, 427. They're adversaries at tiers one or two. So adversary is basically supposed to be like the big bad. Uh, this is the thing that's kind of hunting you through your whole 
adventure. Yeah, you basically threw like the hardest possible thing that I could fight at a tier one character. Right. And, and then you doubled it. Do you have your character sheet handy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got it up here. So his, uh, his attack. Oh, you want to go like compare the two? I, I just, for um, brevity, his, the damage of his sword is 11 plus one extra damage. And that's without shifting anything. That's just base. Okay, my uh, my bolt gun does ten plus two extra damage. Okay, uh, it's got a toxic level of seven, so this thing could really fucking kill you. Yeah, yeah. How many wounds do you have? I have uh, six. Okay, his special abilities: cloud of flies, a cloud of filth black flies swarm around plague bears, obscuring them from view and threatening to choke their enemies. They always count as being in cover. So whenever you try to attack the Plague Bear, that's why you kept missing, because he's always in full cover. Demonic. This threat may attempt to soak mortal wounds. Soaking does not cost any shock. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, And resilient. Plague Bears are uh, preternaturally hard to kill. I don't know what that means. Plague Bears may soak wounds without requiring a point of ruin. So basically they have unlimited soaks. Right. So I threw this thing at you, and it was fairly quick in the battle when I realized that this could be real bad for you. Uh, Now, in the book, it suggests that you know you can kill the plague bearer uh, and then deal with the stone, uh, but it suggests to attack the stone, right, and to somehow make that option viable. Uh, or at least bring that up to the the players. The other thing that the stone did was it, it burped forth a whole bunch of gas. And I meant to talk about this last week, and I forgot. But uh, in the book, when you first see the stone, excuse me, it uh it burps forth this this gas, and you have to make a save, uh, a, a roll. And if you fail, you get a mutation. And boy, oh boy, would that have been interesting trying to be an inquisitional acolyte with a third arm. <laughs> That would have sucked. Because the mutation is also random. Right, right. So we roll to see if you get the mutation. You do. It could have been something simple, like an extra finger that maybe you could cut off real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could have been a second head. Um, like Quado. Right. Why not? All right. So, you know, you say that if, if I had been affected by this cloud, I would have obviously taken on one of the mutations. Do you right. know what sort of mutation it would have been? We have mental... Um, a minor mutation or a severe mutation? I probably... So the, the 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 module gives you a list. I wouldn't have used those. I would have stuck with the Wrath and Glory. So what I probably would have done would be have you roll a D6. Odds would have been one of the mutations. Evens would have been the other one. Let's roll. Okay. Um, so you're thinking an actual physical mutation. So yeah. we're going to think... So either minor or major. Odds would be minor, evens would be major. So I rolled an even. Okay, so it would be a major mutation. All right, so let's see. What would I have gotten? It's a 66 roll? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a 66 roll. Under the, uh, by the way, if people are following page 370, uh, table 7-9, severe mutations, we have a 12. Funny, extra appendage. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking arm growing out of my side. How horrible. You know, the other thing that I think is cool, like, when you take a look at this module and now you, you look in the Wrath and Glory book, the one thing when um, under Plague Bearer, like right at the end, right before you get into this like possessed mortal, you have P- 
plague-ridden. And I think it just adds like this new element of the campaign that if you want to, you can you you can kind of incorporate into it. If not, you fucking completely leave it leave it alone and you have this plague-ridden. Did you see this? A plague-ridden may lead a unit of plague bearers, yeah. which is fucking awesome. Because now into all of this, you can create like a new kind of boss, quote unquote, that is going to be encountered down the road. Like, look, you have this plague ridden that was overseeing these plague bearers in this cave to carry out his will. Right. And being that I thwarted that, you know, obviously this guy is going to be after me. You know, it just adds like an extra layer and element to the campaign, which I think is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the The enemies in Dark Heresy were way squishier. Than they are in this, right? Uh, also, the, the the campaign or the the module is designed for three to four players, uh, which I tried compensating for by giving you Roy Rogers and and Jerts, and Jerts tripped down that short little <laughs> cliff, and Roy Rogers fell to his doom. Uh, but needless to say, uh, you ended up blowing up this antithesis stone. Uh, wiping out these plague bears before they really had a chance to uh, to do much damage to you, and then you come across the final mutant, uh, the big the big fat mutant uh, that's surrounded by explosive shit, and you were able to figure that out, and you decide to use your chain sword in one of the coolest combat encounters I think we've done so far. Uh, I enjoyed this one up there with the alligator from D and D. Uh, I really enjoyed playing that alligator fight. This one is up there with it only because of your incessant need to jab this this sword into its throat and over and over again. You kept calling the shots and you kept hitting them and then you hit the crit. Uh, What a cool combat scene. There's just something about a chainsword that I think just like draws out this, this need to throw it in people's throats. Yeah. You know? Because I view it, I mean, I don't, I don't know how they, like, artistically, um, I, I should take a look at the book and see, like, artistically, like, how they draw out a chainsword. But, like, in my mind, like, I picture one side is this just, like, fine blade that if you want it to swing, like, it cuts through. From the miniatures, it picture, uh, they don't have a picture of it in the book. Um, picture a, uh, a chainsaw blade right. that's extra long. As long as like a like a long sword, yeah, yeah, it comes to a very slight point on the top. I'm not sure where the chain recycles from because then you have the hilt. But whatever. Well, I almost see it like on the one end of the blade, like, like an it's, engine. It, well, yeah, the engine I picture like down like where you hold it, like it's almost right. like a two handed weapon. Right. So th- this is the way that I would I would draw it, right? So it, it, a, a chain sword to me is something that you hold with two hands. The the motor of it being in like the hilt, kind right. of like what covers and protects your hands. And then on the one side of it, you have the actual chain that's cycling through and covering one end of the chain as it returns back into the into the motor is a fucking blade that comes out. So you can either swing and hit somebody with the sharp end of the sword. I see what you're saying. Or yeah. hit it with the other end and it's this fucking just ripping chain. And that's I just I, I love the options that it gives you. Like right. I could fucking swing and hit you with a sword or come on the reverse side of it and just shred you apart with this fucking chain, which is what I felt the need to do. Right. Just drive that fucker right into his throat. And you did a couple times. And it worked, luckily. <laughs> it sure did. Uh, and interestingly, Genevieve was rendered useless in that fight because all she has are guns. Right. So she can't really do anything. Uh, but you end up taking it down. 
you uh, you make your way back out of the cave, and uh, you get your paperwork from the commissar, the uh, the writings in the lockbox, and we're off. Um, overall, did you enjoy the module? Yeah, I did, and I think it fit well with the campaign. Obviously, while playing, I had no idea that it was a module. Like you, you, you gave no hint to the fact that we were kind of transitioning from the campaign into a module. Even when you were like, "Hey, look, we're being diverted from the main mission right now." You know, Genevieve gets this call from the Inquisitor. We need to deal with this issue first before we head back up to the ship. Um, yeah, I, I really, I was not clued in at all that we were diving or moving from, again, the, the actual campaign into this module. I thought the, the transition was seamless. I thought the module was fun. Um, I thought the way that you incorporated it into the campaign was good. Um, the enemies were great. The weapons that we picked up were fun. E- everything was cool. The, the, the dungeon crawl was cool. The characters were good. Yeah, everything. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I probably would have done a little bit more for the upper level. of. I would have probably done a little bit less in the camp and done a little bit more. Yeah, but I can also level. see like the upper level kind of being sealed off. Like that's where the majority of the fight was. Right. And now the mutants kind of retired back into the lower level and whatever, you know, of the, uh, you know, of the fighting force that was present there was all slain or they forced them back and all died. Right. You know, so they were kind of, uh, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, regrouping, maybe recalibrating their defenses or their offense. Because maybe they realized that there was no way for them to to leave this camp. They had the door sealed, so they knew whatever fight was being brought to them was going to happen on the lower level where they had the advantage. Right. So I can see that being the case. Well, let's let's get to why we're really here today. Let's rank up. Oh, let's, this is great. Let's give Bannon uh, 20 points. <whistles> and let's rank up. So do you have any idea where you want to go? You know, I'm taking a look at my skills and I'm trying to figure out like what what skills like I've really kind of been like fucked with. And one of them time and time again that I think has come back to burn me has been awareness. I think you you've given me a lot of awareness tests that I failed. And I think it's only fair to the character that being that it's like one after another of like failed awareness that I should at least put a point if not two um, to bump up my awareness. And really what I think I should do, instead of putting it in the skill itself, I'm wondering if I should put it into the attribute. So the attribute tied to your awareness is your intellect, which I am a lowly two. But now here's kind of the funny thing. And, and I guess, now remember, this is a first for the two of us. We've never ranked right. up any kind of like Wrath and Glory character. So you have to take a look at what's what do you get the more reward from? Is it from putting a point in your attribute or putting a point in your skill? So when you take a look at moving a skill, my awareness naturally um, is a two. So to go from a two to a three is going to cost me three build points as opposed to um, my intellect, which is a two, to go from a two to a three is six. Right. The flip side, so the benefit, <clears throat> excuse me, the benefit to just increasing the skills, I spend less points, but the benefit to increasing the attribute is not only will I increase my awareness by a point, but I'll also increase other skills. 
uh, such as investigation, my Medicaid. What else? My scholar, because you know how scholarly I am. Yes. Um, there's also been a lot of stealth tests. Yeah, and that was my other uh, concern, which I have zero in stealth. I might actually... All right, so here's what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to spend six points. Yeah, I'm going to spend six points in stealth. So that'll give me a three. Wow. Do I really want to be stealthy, though? I mean, you you uh, just a minute ago said most of your attacks have been predicated on being stealthy, and Rat fucked that up. Yeah, so, Rat did fuck that up. So maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you like being stealthy, especially as uh, things are going to start getting hairier and hairier. Yeah, so I think I'm going to spend six points now. I'm going to make my stealth a three, which then gives my overall stealth a six. That seems to make sense. I think I will increase my intellect. I have no pen. You have a, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to be able to kind of jot down notes so I don't overspend points. Thank you. Oh my god. What the fuck? It's a map making pen. This doesn't work. Oh no. It works. It's just really cool. It's got like this like awesome felt tip to it. So at 20 points, I just spent six. All right, so that brings you up to 14 points. And then what was the other one I said? My intellect. What is... We're going through the book. Well, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm, I'm going through the book because I want to see like what the max is as a... Uh, your max as a tier attribute? one attribute? Yeah, yeah. As a tier one, what's the highest my attribute can be? A four? Tier one. Base attribute maximum is a four. Okay. Awareness. All right, so right now I have an awareness of a two. I'm going to make that a three. So that'll cost me three points. Okay. That brings us to 11 points. That's a three... So now my overall awareness is going to be a five. There's also been uh, a, a f not a lot, but I would say the next one that comes to mind would be tech. There's been quite a few tech tests. Uh, yeah, like when um, I didn't realize what the fuck a recording device was that set this whole thing in motion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have zero. Um, I think then... Really, what I should do is move my intellect. What I should do is move my intellect from a two to a three, which is going to cost me six points. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to move my intellect. Fancy. Well, what the hell was that? The world's ending. Okay. Um, okay. 
move my tech from a zero to a one. Now I got four points left. Three to a four. All right, now I'm going to move my... Are you getting any new keywords? No. You could spend points on keywords? No, just anything that you're taking. Does it give you any new uh, keywords? No. So I, I think ultimately here's what's going to end up happening. Um, shit, and I should have gone in and fucking saved this. But basically... Um, all right, so I had 20 points. So here's what I think I'm doing. I'm spending... Um, I'm spending points to increase my intellect from a two to a three, which in turn will then increase a few of my skills, uh, mainly my awareness um, and my tech skill. But in addition to that, it's also going to increase my investigation skill, my Medicaid, and my scholar skill, which I don't give a fuck about that. I've also spent points to increase my awareness skill overall. So now my awareness... Uh, in conjunction with the linked attribute is a six. And then I also spent one point or points to increase my tech to a one. So now my overall tech is a four. And then I boosted my weapon skill to a four. So overall is a seven, which is on par with my ballistic skill. So now when I go to use my chain sword, it's on par with using right. my bolt gun. And I, I think that kind of fairly rounds out my character. So I've burned... All my points. I'm down to zero now. Okay. So that brings up the next question. Do you like getting chunks of points each session, or would you rather wait until I feel like we're ready to rank up and do everything at once? Probably better to like rank up and do everything at once, because I, I tend to hold them anyway. Right. You know, like giving me five points. Some of the shit you can't even do with five points. Like now, let's say I'm getting into the territory where like the skills to me that matter. Um, like let's say I have a skill that's level four. Um, like my weapon skill. My weapon skill is, a, is is at a four. Overall, it's a seven. If I want to rank my weapon skill up to five, I need ten points. So giving five points at the end of a uh, at the end of a mission is really going to do nothing. Right. Um, and the same thing holds true really for like attributes. Attributes obviously are going to be a lot more point heavy. Um, like to go from a four to a five is fifteen fucking points. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to take a lot more points to start pushing the attributes up. And which makes sense because when you push an attribute up, it's going to affect a shitload of skills. So I think just hold off. Okay. I think it's fair to kind of hold off and then just let me know when I hit a, um, a whatchamacallit, not a tier, a level, uh, a rank rather. So technically I'm now tier one, rank three. Rank two. You started as rank one. But I spent 20 points. Yeah. So doesn't the 10 that I spent take me to rank two? 20 so points for a rank. Oh, it's 20 for a rank. Yeah. So now my rank bonus is two. Now you're considered worthy. Oh, good, good. About time. <laughs> I'm not worthy. Oh, that's right, because it's 20 <laughs> points per rank. Right. I get you. 100 points per tier. Right. Got it. And it's going to be real confusing when we start purchasing Ascension packages because I, I, I've read that five times. I still don't fucking know how that works. I, I don't think you necessarily have to do that. I think that's... I'm not going to, no. so I'm glad you said that. Yeah, no, you, but, <laughs> but you don't. I, I think that's if, like, like, let's say you're playing a Tier 3 campaign, and I want to play as an Acolyte. 
but an acolyte is a tier one character. So I'm going to right. build him as an acolyte and then buy ascension packs to boost him to a tier three. Right. I, I think that's all that is. So we, for the purposes of this, don't have to worry about that. You just keep giving points, and once we hit the the 100 level, now we move into tier two, and that's it. It right. keeps it fucking simple. Fuck those ascension packs. I think the one thing out of the ascension packs, though, it's cool. Um, if we haven't established it already in the campaign, it's like a memorable injury, that kind of a thing. Like a yeah. broken jaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, obviously, is the most already, The most memorable of injuries. <laughs> it's already happened, so we don't even have to worry about that. So, yeah, I think outside of that, um, I'm, yeah, I'm good. All points are spent. I'm happy with my character. So let's, uh, let's do a recap. Yes. From top to bottom of Bannon. Uh, what have we improved? We're better at hiding and sneaking. And being aware of his surroundings. And noticing shit. Yeah, and intellect overall. Now, whether or not smarter. that comes into play, but... A little, little yeah, smart. Wicked smart. Uh, you're a little better with your sword. Uh, you're a little better with the computers. Hmm. Hold on. Still can't throw a grenade. Can't throw a grenade. Oh, we're going back to the book. What are you thinking about? No, I'm making sure that I didn't fuck up. I got to see... Um, Nope, too far. There are, there's like a table I remember seeing in here that tells you that your main attributes, what combat traits they affect. Um, oh, here. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. That doesn't change anything. Yeah, I'm good. I'm going to leave it. All right. The changes are in. Changes are in. So intellect has moved from a two to a three. Um, my awareness has gone up to a three. Overall, a six. And what else? What else? What else? My stealth has gone up to a three. Overall, a six. And my weapon skill is up to overall a seven, which matches my ballistic skill. What do you think is next? Death <laughs> and decay. After spending all this time ranking up, I'm just going to kill you. Oh, not not my death. No, 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 oh. no, no. Other, uh, otherworldly death. Let's look at a roadmap of of Bannon. What are you thinking of improving next? Uh, as far as what what I would spend points in? Yeah, I think. Um, would we look at a talent maybe, or I'll take a look at the talents. I think more, I think I'm going to be attribute focused. Right until the next tier. Tier is probably where we're going to start fucking with talents. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for the remainder of tier one, like the next, what, 80 points, I think I'm just going to like really focus on attributes. Um, you know, toughness, I need to get to a four because that just works in conjunction with your wounds, right? So like I need to get my wounds up so I can be a little more, uh, a little more hardy. Um, I think like my um, the dice that I'm rolling for attacks so far it seems like I'm almost like overpowered. You're hitting compared to other you know compared to creatures like rarely on using my guns rarely do I find myself in a situation where I'm like fuck my guns are just not effective right and the only thing that to really take my guns out of it was the example that we had gone through in the uh, in the module where behind my enemy. Or explosives that if I miss, yeah, we're all fucking dying. Right. So, um, which I think was part of like my reasoning behind bumping up my uh, 
my hand-to-hand skill, which is going to help. But I think moving forward, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be attribute heavy. Not that I only have one, two. There's only one. I'm sorry. One, two, three. There's seven attributes, right? So six of the seven, I can only tank. I can only take one level you up. Can only what? Fuck me, man. Excuse me. Wow, I failed miserably. What'd you get on that wrath dice? A two. Okay. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, um, is Bannon still interested in cybernetics? Always. Okay. Yeah, always. And now, I, would he be interested more, would you think, in bionic replacements or augmentations, making what he already has better? Bannon, I think, is just fascinated with the world of tech. Of tech. Okay. So that can go either way. Bannon is not really opposed to becoming a cybernetic organism. So he would he would go either way. I think part of him is interested in meeting the Inquisitor, and another part is seeing if the Inquisitor has some sort of like medic on the ship that could potentially perform any sort of cybernetic upgrades. Right. And and from there, I think, is where we start to really get into, um, at least I hope, where we start to get into like influence and wealth and, and see how that kind of comes into play with Wrath and Glory and this campaign and how he can use that to, to gain any sort of like augmentation right. or weapons or anything like that. I, well, I will say that I also am excited about augmentation. So they are, they're going to be coming in hot. Oh, good, good. Uh, at some point. It's just a matter of finding the best place to. Oh, I can't wait! And I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've always been a big fan of that. Like that was like one of my biggest hooks into playing Shadowrun as a kid. Right. Like cybernetic augmentation, like that. Like first of all, if they had that shit now, I would get that now. Yeah. Like, me personally, I would get that now. If you could put a fucking eye in my head that lets me zoom in fucking like 300 meters. Yeah, I I would take that. You know, with like a reticle in right. my fucking eyelid. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would totally take that. Yeah, so you don't be upset with me if in the very next session it starts with you losing all your arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an IED goes off yeah. on the way to the Inquisitor's <laughs> ship. I lose all my limbs. <laughs> all right, let's cybernetically replace them. All right. Um, so there you have it. Shattered Hope in the books. It's done. Great module. Uh, it's pretty cheap if anyone wants to find it. Uh, there's also more illicit ways to get your hands on it. Uh, but it's small. Like I said, it's, it's less than 100 pages, and about half of it is a bunch of bullshit fluff that I just removed. Right. Um, and we are on to the next adventure. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Anything else you want to uh, add? No, I think we covered everything. All right. To, uh, to ranking up. Yeah, it was fun. Um. Wow, what do I say to ranking up? Here's to another 20 points right around the corner. Two wooden blocks attached to bathroom keys. Fucking hell. Goddamn gas station bathrooms. Why, why, why do they need wood attached to the keys? Like, you think that's really going to prevent somebody from... That's like that's like the, the FDA labels on tobacco. Like, do you think it's going to prevent somebody from, like, not getting their hands on it? To season tickets. Like for a sporting event? To dice. And pipes. 